0: Welcome to the true safety podcast with Apollonia Rockwell where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture Team development and the future of the safety industry If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions head to true safety services.com slash podcast Let's get started
1: all right, welcome everyone to today's episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm really excited this morning to have Dave Farrow with me, and Dave Farrow is the owner. He has a safety company and of Dave Farrow Safety, and today we are just going to nerd out on safety. I, have, I was joking with Dave before uh, we hit record of just, we don't get to nerd out with a lot of other people about our expertise and safety. But nonetheless, I'm super excited. Dave, welcome. How are you doing this morning? I am
2: doing fantastic this morning and I really appreciate being invited on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to this as well.
1: Awesome. Well, Yes. Well, I just want to get right into it. I, you know, you have a lot of credentials and a lengthy, um, over 20 years of experience in the health and safety world. Um, that includes construction, safety and primarily for oil and gas projects. Right. And so can you just tell me how you got into the safety world? Is this something that, I mean, when you were a kid, you're like, I want to get into safety or how did this happen?
2: Okay. Well, happy to share the story. I'm not sure that it's a, an epic quest kind of a story or anything, but, uh, a lot of the folks that got into safety back in the day when I did really got in there inadvertently or by accident because, uh, safety wasn't really well known. So in fact, I didn't even know it was a job until I'd already been offered it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. The same way. yeah for? <laughs> so sure, my story was, uh, I was actually pursuing an ambulance career. I had my EMR, or emergency medical responder, and uh, had some part-time work. And I was working part-time as an armed guard for an armored car company at the time. And uh, my wife was pregnant with our first. So of course, I went back and got a job at a restaurant as well, uh, serving food there, it was Tony Romas, so I'd have to figure out in the morning which of the three uniforms I'd have to pack, usually two. And uh, finally, I said to Rachel, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to go back into construction. That's my dad's trade and I apprenticed under him. It wasn't what I wanted to do, okay. but I thought I could at least make a living at it. So uh, I went into, uh, uh, when I was applying, the lady behind the desk said, well, it looks like you have your EMR and some construction. Do you want to do safety and do you want to do first aid on the high level bridge project? And uh, of course, I said, uh, absolutely, because I needed work. And yeah. kind of the fun part is she said, would you accept $15 an hour? And I said, well, I, yes, I'll certainly accept 15 because at that time, Ambulance was paying $7.50. <laughs> so it was... Uh, so like, this?
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I, I can do this.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh when God. I got out there, uh, you know, I kind of got lucky because the corporate safety guy, his name is Carl, we're still really good friends, uh, found out that I was out there. And came and told me, you know, Dave, you, if you're going to stay in this, you should go to the Alberta Construction Safety Association, take the construction safety officer group of courses. And he also advised me to go to the University of Alberta and take the OHS certificate program there. So, uh, you know, he kind of gave me a little guidance and a little break. We all like to pretend we're kind of self-made men, if you will. But in truth, there's always somebody that's helped you out along the way. And that was Carl in my case.
1: I can't. I can't agree with you more. Okay, so he, he gave you some guidance, gave you some advice, some classes to take, and did you jump on it right away, or did it take you take you a while to say, "All right, this, I'm going to take this profession serious." How'd that go? Well,
2: I went for it right away, and uh, you know, I suppose uh, having uh, I'd been married for two years, so new marriage, new family, the uh, opportunity to have a good, solid career that seemed to pay well was definitely uh, enticing. So. I went for the uh, CSO things right away, and then I did the university by night school. And in those days, that money was very dear, but it was a, a good investment.
1: Absolutely, and so then fast forwarding. I mean, I love I love talking to people in the in the EMS world. I think that both industries tie beautifully because I remember starting in the safety industry and I remember taking some of my first first aid classes or first HAZWAP HAZMAT classes and the best instructors that I had were in that field. They had worked, at, they were full-time or part-time at a fire department, they were in the EMS world and their stories were incredible and their perspective on safety was so Real. It was real life to them. Why we were in the training classroom. Why we needed to take these tools and why we needed to take this advice seriously because they had stories to back it up. So, I mean, how has your EMS background and experience in that industry how is that tied into the safety industry for you
2: you know in my case maybe not as much as some because when i was doing ems i was uh, working for a hospital transfer company so for the most part we did a lot of stable patients but uh, that being said we had a lot of contracts for nursing homes and uh, we ended up getting the call for all of the kind of non-critical things so i got very good at setting uh Splints on broken bones and hips and femurs and arms because we'd get a lot of the, you know, the seniors falling down and the arm looks kind of funny, kind of call. So, you know, we did have a few of those. I see. Okay, all
1: right.
2: Where I did go from that is I I did instruct uh, first aid and uh, medical first responder for St. John Ambulance for years and years and years as well, and uh, did that for heart and stroke. So I found that that sometimes translated well into my safety career. The instructor-type skills were good, and uh, also just having a knowledge of injuries and the potential uh, was helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is they really believe that if you're badly injured, the doctors can put you back together and that you're going to be good as new. But the reality is nothing like that. There's almost always a loss of functionality, sometimes big, sometimes small. And uh, if we were able to get that across to workers, I think it changes the way they think just a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And when you started in this new career, you know, you got your classes, you started to see, all right, this is what the safety world is going to look like. And what kept you in it? What kept your excitement? I mean, you have over 20 years of experience here. And so at first, it must have been a little bit overwhelming, I could imagine, because this is just so new and you weren't anticipating to take this route. So, I mean, what were some of the challenges in your early career starting out in safety and what kept you going?
2: Okay, wow. There's a lot to unpack in that question. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'll I'll talk about what I love about safety. And uh, one thing I love about this industry is I think it's a really generalist industry. So you have to know a little about everything to function well. So, for example, uh, a good safety person knows a little about industrial hygiene. I took two courses at the U of A, but you also need to know when to call a specialist like a hygienist in. So we know a little bit about ergonomics. I... And uh, I've got to work in some very diverse industries. In the last five years, I've been uh, underground in a nickel mine, so two kilometers under the Earth's crust. That was entertaining. Done a big tunneling job in BC. Wow. Yeah, worked on some uh, solar and wind farms doing some auditing. And I get to work with some small guys, some local home builders and things as well. So it's just plain fun. And uh, actually, in a couple of days, I'll be shipping up to Yellowknife in the Arctic uh, to uh, have a go at a, a little mine site for six weeks. So something new again for me. So I really
1: travel, travel, travel.
2: That's true, yeah, and uh, I've got to work on a few projects where I've put proposals in for uh, and done training plans for jobs in Sweden and Ecuador, so I haven't left the country for those, but still got a little taste of some of the local flavor and legislation, so just the sheer diversity of this is really, really neat in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Challenges, man, when I got started, I had some challenges. Being in my 20s, uh, I lacked some of the maturity I have now. I kind of like being 50. I find at my age, my temperament is different. And, uh, you know, things that upset or offend me, I can kind of let them roll off a little bit uh, in a way that I didn't in my 20s. And, uh, you know, any advice I'd give to young people is kind of watch that temper and temperament. Things that seem really big at that age are really not sometimes. And sometimes mm, it's do you
1: mean go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm
2: just sometimes it's better to uh let things go than uh, take personal offense. And I've gotten to the point in my career where if someone does or says something that isn't too nice to me, I don't feel the need to be mollified by a written apology or even a verbal apology. I can let it go, move on, and keep working with people. And I think that's really helped me out.
1: Oh, I like that advice. I think that. I guess I can only speak from experience, but I also started in the safety industry in my 20s and I could relate to some of those challenges was just maybe being, for, for me, it was maybe more being questioned i guess or yeah the questioning what i was up to and or like why since i'm safety and i'm, I'm recommending these new practices or new procedures or just a different way of thinking so I, I think that i was questioned and sure the delivery of the of questioning wasn't always the best delivery and so it was you know it could, could have been taken defensively for sure and so how what was the response? So. You started your safety career where and what industry was it?
2: Okay. I'd started uh, my safety career, uh, like I said, on the bridge. Now, after that, I ended up uh, going to do some oil sands work. So for a construction companies, we started by doing an upgrading office building up on uh, the Suncor site. And that was my really my first introduction to industrial work. And uh boy, did I find that different because I apprenticed as a carpenter and, uh you know, small residential company. So we'd be 20 feet up on the walls, walking on them without being tied off and so on. And as you know, uh, on an industrial site, that is absolutely not the way you do business. So I had to learn the new standards and new ways of doing things. And uh happily, again, there were a few mentors in my life that were able to kind of get me going in the right direction and understanding just what I was expected of me, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the, I mean, I could just imagine then the construction industry, the culture, the you know, the perception for safety. So what was the feedback? I mean, I think we have a lot of listeners that might be starting out in their safety career and they're trying to gain traction at a new industry. So what was your experience like? Were You know, did you receive a lot of pushback? Were you, were you received with open arms on all your suggestions? Or, I mean, what did that look and feel like for you? You're in your twenties, so how was that?
2: Uh, you know, some of each, it was a little harder in the early days, right? And um, one of the things, uh, especially if you're doing sort of a commercial job on an industrial project, you know, it, workers that are working steady on industrial sort of know what's expected of them. But if you do like a, an office building on an industrial project, you'll end up with, say, a drywall crew or a taping crew that's only ever worked commercial and residential. And when they come out and you tell them that, uh, well, you have to wear a hard hat and safety glasses while you're doing this, they go, what are you talking about? I'm inside a building. There's nothing above me. How am I going to hurt my head? This is insanity. Yes. I can't see yes. the tape with glasses on. This is craziness. And uh, it takes them a job or two to kind of get used to the standards.
1: So it did take, it wasn't, there was, there was questioning. There wasn't easy breezy, you know, we'll do whatever you say. There was, there was some of that. I mean, what would your, Advice be to somebody that maybe they're they're new in their safety career and they are they are experiencing that kind of pushback, maybe because it's it's uh, a company that hasn't embraced a safety culture yet, or it, they're just maybe they're old school type of mind of thinking. So I mean, how did you start to gain traction with that company? versus... I mean, I can imagine we can only say OSHA says this so many times we can only say, well, guys, like at the end of the day, like this is federally mandated, like that's the reason why I'm asking you to do those things. So after that doesn't work, (laughs) what would you recommend on how to get the buy-in? How did you get the buy-in time after time? If somebody's experiencing those challenges.
2: Sure. And well, to be quite honest, I still get pushback on sites these days. Some of the things just never change. Uh, the pushback is different, yeah. perhaps, but you know, it, it happens. So maybe a couple of things. Um, I always find that uh, when you get on the site, get out into the field, get to know the people and uh, start to build relationships. Uh, it might seem odd, but I, I really find that people like to uh, work with people that they enjoy being around and having a relationship ahead of time sure makes it easier when you're going to correct something. So if oh my uh,
1: gosh,
2: yeah. yeah, something as simple as I need someone to put their safety glasses on, just for a simple example, if it's the first time I've ever met them and the first thing I'm doing is giving them a hard time about that, they're, they're not yeah. going to respond well. If it's somebody I've talked to a uh, steady and I say, Joe, what's with the safety glasses? Put them on, man. And just kind of chuckle because I've known them for two weeks. It makes it easier. Right. So, yeah, personal relationships go a long way. And uh, Absolutely. Oh, go ahead.
1: I, I just, I love, I love how you said that is that there needs to be, or it's easier, like some words of advice would be, it's easier to correct somebody after you have a relationship with that person, you know, and after you have shown them that maybe you're out on the job because you actually care, like you start off as, you know, you're building that relationship with that person and you're showing the crew, the the team members out there, the reason who you are and what you're all about. Like, I'm here because I want to make sure everyone goes home safely versus taking that safety cop mindset and, you know, being... And there's a time and place to really enforce certain things. Um, But I'm I'm definitely all about the relational approach. So that's fantastic. Was there a time that you just... I mean, I'm, I'm sure you do have stories, but was there a time that somebody was just not... I, you, you know, you're asking them to do something and they just weren't seeing it your way. And how did you overcome that?
2: If- yeah, I've seen that time or time and again throughout uh, my career, really. And uh, there's really only two ways to go about it. One is uh, you can try to educate, you can try to coach. But there is a point where if someone is not accepting of uh, reasonable education and coaching, that you simply have to make the decision that maybe they're not suitable. <laughs> And uh, that's a management decision. But, you know, eventually it is acceptable to remove somebody from a project if they simply are not buying into the program.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think safety professionals need to hear that sometimes. I think that, you know, you could, you could only be so self-reflective on, all right, I've tried to approach this person this many times, Uh, you know, I've, I've shown them the regs, I've shown them the reason why. And if, if it comes down to it, I think that a safety professionals do have the obligation to communicate with management and leadership and say, this person's just not getting it because that person then becomes a hazard to the job itself and the culture and um, everything else out on, the, on the job site, which you could, you know. So I, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I wanted to take a step back and ask you, out of everything that you've experienced over 20 years in this industry is what are you passionate about? What excites you? And what do you love doing the most? I mean, you're a subject matter expert when it comes to the regulations and there's the training piece and there's the policy creation and there's there's X, Y, there's so much in safety. So under the whole umbrella of safety, what gets you fired up, what, what gets you passionate?
2: <laughs> There's a good question because I really enjoy it all actually. You know, I've done really? uh, Oh.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah, cuz you know, I did a stint for a while where I was the safety director for a major construction company. So got the office piece and now I'm sort of back in the field. I think I really enjoy what I'm doing right now as a consultant where I kind of get to do a, a large variety of jobs and get to interact with a large variety of people. I really enjoy working for some, uh, or with some of the smaller contractors where I'm dealing right with the owner of the company. Cause these are often folks that are, uh, by the time they call me, they're very interested in making change or making their company safe. And, uh, it's really nice to work with those folks. The other day, I was just out at, uh, and it wasn't even, wasn't, weren't even there for safety, just a friend. I was at his, uh, company. They do printing and everything. And while he was giving me a tour of the place, he said, Well, Dave, you know, what do you think of the safety here? And I'm thinking, Well, I'm glad you kind of asked, but, and, uh, you know, on his second floor, he had, uh, you know, a top rail, mid rail set up. It's an older building, but no tow board or anything. And, uh, they had a workspace right over top of where people would walk through the doors. So, and said, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that I could pick on as a safety person, but the only one that really makes me nervous is all those people working right up there with the people down there. And he says, oh, you know, I have this material, and this material. I'll throw this up. I'll do this. And he was right on it. And said he was very happy that uh, he's. And he couldn't believe he didn't see it, but. If you're not a hazard assessment person, you often don't see those things. You could work there forever. Whereas for someone like you and I, it's pretty glaring as soon as we walk in. So I kind (laughs) of live for those moments where you make a suggestion and people uh, take it seriously and uh, you see that there's value there.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't relate to anything more than that is, is that it is a breath of fresh air, to work with companies who have owners or have a leadership team that, of, of course, no one's perfect, but to have, a, for the most part, owners and, and leaders that want to make a difference. They, they want your subject matter expertise. They want the safety advice, and they're willing to put their... Um, they're willing to put their business's investment into back into safety. And, you know, I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot, at least from the podcast and the safety conversations that I'm a part of, is that we talk a lot about changing a culture. I don't really believe in a safety culture. I always just believe in a company culture. It's not like to me, there's not an accounting culture and a welding culture and the truckers have their culture. And then we have the safety. I just think there's a company culture. And so that being said, I, I just, yeah, I think that we can only work on the culture so much as the safety professional or as the safety team, the safety department. And at the end of the day, you can only do so much. It'll, it'll only go as far as, as leadership will allow it to go. Um, has that pretty much been your experience working with either the in-house safety, um, in-house safety for large companies or any, any size of company, and then also owning your own business? Have you always seen that the culture will only go as far as leaders will, will let allow it, or how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, no, that is interesting. I, I just learned something today from you because I've never heard it put in terms of uh, company culture versus safety culture. We're still very much using the term safety culture, but, uh, you know, you're, you're right there. If you look at a company that has, uh, or even a project that has bad safety, typically they have bad QA, they're behind schedule, they're not profitable. It just seems well-run companies have good safety, good quality. They run well, so maybe company culture of excellence sort of extends to all areas. It would be really rare to find an incredible company that just doesn't get safety.
1: (laughs) I agree with you. That's how I believe it. I like how you even just worded that. Is that you don't see a company that's shooting for excellence in all areas of the business, but it's like, oh, their safety department sucks. So they're, you know, oh. They have excellence, they follow processes and procedures, or they're, you know, they're they're trying, they're trying to reach the next level as a business, but everyone's getting hurt. It doesn't normally work that way. And I think that when people feel safe as far as not just physically safe, but when people feel comfortable and safe around the people that they work with they're more likely to be a brother's keeper and they're more likely to say, Hey, like you said, they, there's that relationship there where it's like, Hey, let's not do things that way. Or that's just not allowed here. That's just not a part of who we are and what our culture is about. So they'll stop somebody that's not wearing PPE. It's like, Hey, we all wear PPE around here. Like that—that that, that's just the culture. So when there's a standard of excellence, I just think it runs through all departments. So, um, That's interesting to get your, to get your input on that. What about, um, have you, this, this is an interesting question since you own a safety company is have you worked with a a lot or any customers that are just check the box? Like, Hey Dave, just check, like, just get our safety program up and going. We just need to get barely in compliance. And what is it like to work with a company like that?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Some companies just want legislative compliance. Some want a certificate of recognition. I've uh, been lucky that most of my clients uh, haven't been tick the box kind of people. There yeah. there has been the odd client where uh, they've asked for a safety manual and I've created it and uh, we haven't really had any follow-up. And so yeah. I suspect in those cases that uh, they probably haven't implemented them quite as well as uh, I would have liked because uh You know, it's interesting when you talk about safety programs, uh, anybody, the quality of your safety program, I find, doesn't matter as much. Uh, You can have a brilliantly written safety program. You can have a very basic program and you can be equally effective with each one. You really live and die on your implementation.
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, And so for small guys, I really, really favor a very simple program. And actually for the big guys, I also favor a very simple program. I find the simpler the program, the more chances of that somebody will dust off the manual and actually do it. If something feels complex or feels onerous, they're just going to throw their hands up before they even start and say, this is garbage. I'm not going to do it. So anytime you can simplify a process, I think you have a win in this industry.
1: Wow. I think that that's huge. Um, that's a huge takeaway for the audience is if you're an in-house safety person, if you're a safety consultant, if you're if you're a safety professional looking to make an, an, a difference or an impact in your company, no matter the size, a word of advice is to simplify and mm-hmm. I can't agree more because I remember starting as a safety professional for an oil and gas construction company, and I, I've, looking back, I think I was trying to implement too much at the same time because this company was just getting started with their safety program, really. This was their first, kind of like your story, this is their first time um, where there's accountability when it comes to PPE, and, you know, just the basics. So there was a lot, and I was throwing a lot their way. And like you said, it was so overwhelming that people just threw their hands up because it was just too much. And so I I, and I really like your advice of, you know, even if you're working for a large organization, um, hundreds of employees, multiple divisions, this still, this the same principles apply. The more simple, the more effective, especially when it comes to trying to um, implement a new safety program or something like that. That's awesome. Um, One, kind of wrapping this up, I, I would love to ask, you've seen a lot of companies. You've worked with a lot of companies, large, small, oil and gas construction, industries in between. Out of the great companies out of the companies that have strived for excellence can you describe some of maybe like the if there's three common traits if there's three common things Mm. that these companies all have or it's maybe a program that they all have or it's just what do these what do these excellent companies have that you've had the chance to work with you know is it good leadership good leadership that just really believes in safety? Is it like a behavioral based safety program that they all have or what, what does that look like to work with an A plus excellent company?
2: Okay. That is uh, we could write a book on this one. This
1: one might take a while to answer. <laughs> all right,
2: so I, I'm going to start with, um, yeah companies that I've worked with that are excellent and uh, do very well are also companies that are often very humane so they tend to have uh, maybe we'll say a visionary leader at some point who really values people and has brought that into the fold so if you the company you'll know you're in one of those companies when people care about people and people are treated with dignity and uh even when people are corrected it's done in such a way that they uh Well, let's just say this way, you know, a correction doesn't have to sting to make a correction uh, work, right? If you can uh, be gentle with your people, you win. That's actually surprisingly something I learned from my father. And uh, you wouldn't expect to learn from a guy like him because he was born in 1935 on a homestead, was an old school superintendent. But in the era of people yelling, he was actually, uh, you know, a a quiet, gentle kind of a person, even though he was, you know, six foot four, 205 pounds of muscle. So
1: (laughs) I learned that lesson early on him. Uh, A secret, yeah, a secret care bear. Mm -hmm.
2: That's it. Uh, The other thing I find that makes companies very successful is they have a very good system of measurements and a very good system of accountability. Because uh, I know it's trite, but what what gets measured gets done. We've said that in the industry for years. And I would take it a little further to say that uh, companies that really do well have a kind of a personal accountability system. So we'd be looking at things like scorecards for managers. Uh, years ago, uh, with the company I worked for, we introduced a bit of a scorecard system to see if we could kind of up the game of our supervisors all around. And all we did was identify a couple of uh, leading indicators that would maybe just even indicate participation. So we took, uh, are they attending safety meetings? Are they doing their weekly inspections? Are they doing their daily observations? Pretty simple measurements. And then we scored them and used the traffic light system, so either, either green, yellow, or red. And then what we did is we uh, compiled them every month and we published them throughout the whole company. (laughs) So it was very visible. And if you don't. Yeah, if you know anything about construction superintendents, they're, you know, type A personalities. Nobody wants to be on the bottom of that stack. So when you have a red traffic light at your site, you could guarantee there's a little conversation with your people saying, how come you guys aren't doing inspections? It's easy. Get out there and do one once a week. and Create uh, uh,
1: healthy competition. I love yeah. that. Wow. Okay. And when we
2: looked at the uh, injury stats and incident stats after, they were actually – inversely proportional to the uh, the uh, participation. So high participating sites tended to have uh, low incidence scores. Mm. And uh, th- I think there's a few things. Like there were probably a lot of uh, supervisors there that really didn't care about safety as much as others. But yeah. just the fact that they were even doing it sends the right message to everybody, right?
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think that that I- – I couldn't help. I'm going to listen back on this, but I couldn't help but to pick up a pen and write notes when you were speaking because I think that um, the this. I hope you're hope you're still listening to towards the end of this because that is incredible advice. Um, what makes a company great? What makes a company excellent? And some of these three things that you've commonly seen is measurables because that, that companies they have they're measuring because whatever is measured gets done so that there's that system in place. And then, um, but first and foremost, you talked about people that owners, that the owner, that the leadership team, that there's this high sense of care for the individuals working in that company. And when that's from starting at the top and trickles down and it's a good and healthy environment to work in, um, and then the last thing that you said is that there's that there's accountability piece. Sure, we're we're now measuring things, but what do we do about them? And so that there's a sense of uh, accountability in that in that company too. So I think that those are really great things to mention and great things to work for, work towards, um, because our audience are people that want to get better. Our listeners are people that want to go to the next level, or at least help take their company to the next level too. Um, as far as excellence i mean that's what we're we're all here to learn and grow so well thank you so much dave i do you have any final pieces of advice for safety professionals any final words
2: you know i had uh, was just thinking you said something earlier that i thought was actually worth uh reinforcing a bit you talked about uh earlier in your career you tried maybe to do too much too fast with some companies and i think there's some brilliance in uh, recognizing that because, yeah, too much, too fast never works. So maybe a little bit of advice if you get into a company that has, a, you know, maybe a, a safety culture, if you will, a company culture that needs a bit of work. It uh, doesn't hurt to move the ball up the field slowly. You know, any, mm-hmm. we should celebrate small successes. We don't need to win the, you know, President's Award for Most Improved Safety from our client this year. As long as yeah. we're moving forward and we're better than we were last time, I would consider all of those little victories to be significant.
1: Oh my gosh, that's beautifully said, Dave. Thank you so much. I think that 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 is a huge reminder because, as safety professionals, of course, like we're looking at the company that we're working with or the client, you know, in our world that we're working with. And there's always so much that needs to get done that it can be so overwhelming. And so, um, really taking a step back and celebrating those small wins. And just knowing that there's progress, knowing that there's small progress, you're moving forward is something to be proud of and something to share with your team to be proud of. You know, share not just with yourself, but not just with the safety team, to share with the whole company. Like these are the these are the small wins that we are achieving together. So that way you could build momentum, even if it's some of the smaller things. So I think that that's great advice. But thank you so much, Dave. I went over my time with you. I apologize. I knew that this would be a conversation that really flowed. So <laughs> um, thank you, thank you for your time. And guys, um, if you want to follow Dave, we're going to include all of his contact information um, below. And this link so you can reach out to him and dave and thank you so much for talking with me today and thank you i guess and listeners We'll we'll talk to you again next time
2: great and thank you so much for having me and uh, i wouldn't worry at all about going over time i enjoyed every minute of it it was a fantastic conversation
0: thank you
1: awesome thanks
0: thank you for listening to the true safety podcast with apollonia rockwell If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.